We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Day More NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast coming in Monday night after the Wolves beat the Cavs in Cleveland by five. Final score Wolves 127, Cavs 122. It wasn't a 20 point win, but the Wolves were able to come out ahead because the Cavs just don't have any guards right now. Cleveland was, of course, without Colin Sexton and Ricky Rubio, who are both out for the season. But tonight, they're also without Darius Garland, Karis LeVert, and Rajon Rondo, who are all out temporarily. Uh, the table was set going into this one uh, for a Wolves win, so long as they could just survive Cleveland's size in the front court, which is obviously a tall task. Jared Allen, Laura Markkinen, and Evan Mobley starting in the front court is a job this small Wolves roster is not set up to handle. Uh, that's why they got Smoked by the Cavs the last time they played them. The difference, though, tonight, why they didn't get smoked by Cleveland's size, is that Darius Garland was not there to feed those bigs. They were just left with Chetty Osman and Braden Goodwin, uh, who had good games as the de facto guards. But you just don't have to react to those two as much coming off of a screen as you do with Garland, which allowed the Wolves to kind of stay home more on their big matchups. The real question I came into this game having related to those bigs is, you know, who's going to guard them? In that last game, the Wolves played the Cavs. D'Lo didn't play in that game, and Torian Prince started in his place. So it was, you know, it's a pretty easy, you know, way to be able to match up. They started Cat, Vando, and Prince in that game. So you put those three against Allen, Mobley, and Markinen, Prince on Markinen. But starting D'Lo tonight, that meant the Wolves were again starting three guards. And the Cavs were starting three centers. So basically, one of Ant, D'Lo, or Pat Bev had to guard one of Allen, Markkinen, or Mobley. And Finch went with Pat Bev on Markkinen, which is crazy. Literally a foot of size difference between those two there. But Markkinen really wasn't able to do anything with it. I think that was a, a big story of tonight. I think he was the guy you look to in that game to be the one to create offense for the Cavs when they don't have their guards. And Markkinen shot just two of seven from the field and was only able to have one of those seven shots be a two-pointer. I mean, with 
Pat Bev, even with Pat Bev on him, my Markkinen was basically forced to play as a perimeter player. And I just, I thought that was huge tonight. I think it, you know, he'll get kind of brushed over in a game that came down to the end and Cat makes the big shot at the end. But you play for 48 minutes and that was the task at hand for the Wolves was for 48 minutes being able to slow down, um, being able to slow down the the Cavs front court between not only those three, but also but also Kevin Love. And I thought the Pat Bev element of it, having one guy of their guards, of their wings to be able to to put on one of Cleveland's bigs was a and not get beat was was just a was just a huge, huge win for them tonight. I asked Carl Anthony Towns about that after the game tonight. Carl, can you just talk a little bit about what it's like for Patrick Beverly to be defending a seven footer for the whole game and, and what that provided you guys tonight? Yeah, just his energy, you know, uh, he just gets very competitive and it makes, you know, we already competitive team. So he makes us even more competitive and he brings that juice. So uh, Pat was special tonight. He he showed you why he's missed the 94 and, um, you know, he, he he's first team all defense against anybody. You put him against a guard, you put him against the center, you put him against anybody. Uh, he's going to get the job done. Three blocks. I mean, it's special. He's special, man. He's special when it, uh, just as a player and as a person, but he, he's really special when it comes to that defensive end. I thought it was fitting tonight that the final play of the game was a Pat Bev block, even if the Wolves were up five at the time. Uh, I, again, I, I, I don't think you can say enough about Pat Bev's impact in this game. But more importantly, though, to, to have that lead um, as the seconds wound down, the Wolves needed a three-point shot from Cat, the one that he hit with 12 seconds left in the game. If you missed, missed watching this one and didn't see the cat dagger, the backdrop here was that the possession before with 33 seconds left, Chetty Osman hits a three that tied the game at 122. And the Wolves have to come down and score, right? It's 122, 122 with 33 seconds left. And it was, I think it was kind of, I mean, the, the result was good for Wolves fans, but I think it was kind of interesting to see how that, final crunch time possession played out um and now it's been three seasons that towns and delo have been on the the same team and kind of in those three years i know they haven't actually played um a ton of ton of games together but over these three years we've kind of seen those two try to figure out how they get what they want to get to in late game situations i mean back at the beginning of the cat and delo experiment cat was broadly just used as a re- release valve for D'Lo, you know, set a screen in those situations, let D'Lo cook. But over time, they've learned that if they want to go to Cat in those situations, if they want him to be an option, they kind of need to be a little bit more patient in letting the, the play draw out. They've learned Cat has to set the screen, force a full switch, then D'Lo patiently needs to wait for Cat to go to the nail with the small on him. And then, you know, D'Lo can go back to Cat. We've seen little dots of this, little pieces of that in different late game situations, you know, over the course of the the past two years. But tonight, I think we saw it all kind of play out together in in that final possession. They were extra patient tonight. Cat sets the screen. Osman was on D'Lo, sets the screen. He gets Osman switched onto him. He went, Cat went down to the nail, then he flared back out for the ball, squared up, jab step to create space, then he hits the three in Osmond's face. In my opinion, 
if you can't get an easy layup out of the timeout, you know, coming into a last second, last possession of the game situation, this is the best action for the Wolves to go to if they need a late game isolation. And tonight, Cat hit it. Here's Cat after the game explaining what went into that last possession. Um, the way to play breakdown is um, we came down the court. Shout out to Coach, too. Big shout out to Coach Finch because he could have called the timeout, could have stopped the play. We could have, you know, got to, the, you know, as a huddle and picked a play or whatever the case may be. But um, he let us play. He made a call. Uh, the play was actually for D'Lo, come off the pick and roll, have his matchup, you know, do what you do, get all of us get ready to rebound or be ready for outlets or anything like that. Um, D'Lo wanted to get rid of the ball. Um, so we, I just looked at him and said, you got the matchup you asked for, like, go. And he was like, no, and kept playing. So I just said, all right, I'm gonna run to the spot, get myself open. Um, we had a switch, so um, knew there was possibility for there was driving possibility um, in there. But um, caught the ball, looked at the floor, saw I saw a lot of I saw a good amount of space. Um, just felt very comfortable with how the game was being called and everything. That I wanted to really get to that jumper. Um, I thought it was something that was given to me right away when I turned around. Um, I just was getting ready to shoot the basketball and. Uh, the jab step, I saw a little more space get created by the jab step. And from there, it was it was let it fly time. So um, when I let go of the ball, I just um, – TP was telling me in there, <laughs> when I shot the ball, he said cash money record. So it felt pretty good. When it left my hands, I, I thought it was a, a a green shot like in 2K. And I just felt very good and conf, confident, uh, confident about it. Started getting my celebratory hops in and ball went in. So, um, you know, it's a testament to my teammates. And – my coach, you know, for trusting us, the coach for trusting all of us that we would get the job done without him needed and uh, just trusting us in our game and, and us as basketball players. And shout out to D'Lo for uh, the game on the line, the way he was playing and the way he was shooting. Um, uh, wanted to uh, trusted with me with the ball in my hands to take us home. And uh, that's a testament to my teammates and to uh, coach. One thing I like about the Wolves going to this and it working is I think it could potentially lead to an easier look for D'Lo the next time the Wolves are in this type of situation. You know, generally speaking, coming into tonight at least, I think teams right now prioritize Cat and D'Lo fairly equally in, in these scenarios. Not that, I, I mean, I think they understand that Cat's more of a threat given that he's more of an offensive weapon, but just sort of the, you know, the nature of being a point guard versus a big, I think they, you know, they treat both of those options with caution. But by going to Cat more in these type of situations, you know, that could lead that could lead to the defense overplaying the cat angle in the future, which could then in turn lead to D'Lo getting a you know a clear path to the rim or a clean look for a shot the next time down. And as much as I might want that action to be to cat every time, you know, the the best overall option is to have numerous options in your bag, be able to have different options you can go to in those type of scenarios. You want to break that play and not just say, we're going to D'Lo, we're going to Cat. No, we're going to the best option. And by Cat and D'Lo both now having had success in those type of situations, I just think they're now going to be harder to guard the next time that type of situation represents itself. Which, in these final 20 games of the season and into the playoffs, I bet you we see a handful of these 
uh, play out. And the Wolves are now starting to figure out how how to best get to these actions and how to have numerous options in them. Plenty of other minutiae to get into from this game, but I think those are the two things that stick out most to me from this game tonight. They had to figure out how to survive the Cavs' size. And while I wouldn't say they handled that perfectly, I did think that Pat Bev handling Markinen was huge, bounced things out a little bit. And then also being able to close with your go-to action, but in a new way, I thought that also signaled growth for this team. So those were those are two big things that uh, that stood out to me in this one. Let's take a quick break and then come back to hit on the rest of this game. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, we are back discussing the Wolves' five-point win over the Cavs on Monday night. The first positive note I have written down from this game was about the bench five, which did not come in until the second quarter. Uh, the, the first quarter was bad. Stars came out terrible tonight. Six minutes into the game, Wolves were down 21 to nine. By the end of the first quarter, they were down 37 to 26. I mean, 37 points in the first quarter to a team that doesn't have guards was, uh, well, was the opposite of what I thought would <laughs> would happen in this one and it was certainly not a good note um to, to start this game on but then finch you know he reaches back in the bag for that full bench unit that they were going to a little bit before the break he went with five bench players to start the second quarter wolves come out with Nas, prince mcdaniels beasley and mclaughlin and to start the second quarter they immediately go on a 7-0 run before the Cavs call another timeout those five ended up playing the first six minutes of the the second quarter and outscored the Cavs 21 to 14 in that time. I mean, when Pat Bev checked out six minutes in the first quarter, the Wolves were down nine to 21. When Pat Bev came back into the game, six minutes into the second quarter, score was only Wolves 47, Cavs 51. It's not consistent, but when the Wolves bench can do this, which they have now plenty of times this season, it's, it's found money. I mean, Jordan McLaughlin had six assists in that second quarter alone. I mean, the, the Wolves, the Wolves outscored the Cavs 
by 19 in the 13 minutes that Torian Prince played in the first half. Beasley and McDaniels were both hitting threes. I mean, that is that is a weapon that this Wolves team needs right now, particularly when the starting unit, when they're all out there together, they just have not been greater than the sum of their parts. If the bench, I think tonight, if the bench comes out in that second quarter and things go the opposite way, they get popped right away with the 7-0 run the other way, or they just lose their stint by 7-10 to 10 minutes, I mean, this game was over. Um, and that's not what the bench did tonight. They they brought the game closer. They were the ones who, as Finch said, uh, kick-started this team tonight. Here's Cat after the game on the bench. The bench was great. Um, I said on TV, uh, our, our starters didn't do the job in the first half. It was our second unit that really held us together and, and kept the game in, 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 in any way possible for us to win it. So second unit came, did their job. And um, the first unit came out in the second half. And, and you know, we, we had a fire lit under us by coach. And we knew what we had to do. And we knew we weren't playing to our standards and our, our identity. So. Shout out to us coming out in the third quarter and really, you know, playing Timberwolves basketball, especially for the first unit where we've been known to be really, really good throughout this year. So getting back to that standard, playing defense, I think in the third quarter, you saw our defense just take such a two, I think two notches up, you know, steals. We were getting easy buckets. We weren't even. Yeah, I feel I feel like in the third quarter, uh, we talked about it in the huddle. We, we almost didn't run any plays. The bench's minutes were a turning point in the game because, as Kat said, the, the starters did not come out dialed in three minutes into the second half. Though so starters, you know, they're back out there to start the third quarter. They get three minutes in the second half to go on a run. Wolves are now up by 13, eight minutes into the third quarter. They're up by 23. The game's kind of blown open. They blew it open with a 34 to 14 run to, to start the second half. That's what this starting group can be now that they figured out their offense. They just have a higher upside. And again, to you know, tie it in the bench. I mean, that's the upside, and the bench provides the floor. So if the bench holds for long enough, you're probably going to eventually get one of the Wolves' big three to go off. And in the second half tonight, that was D'Lo. D'Lo had 18 points in the second half alone. I just... I just don't think you could sleep on how important the bench is for this Wolves team. For them to make a push for the sixth seed, you know, obviously it's going to be predominantly about the starters propelling them there, but they're also going to need this bench to save them sometimes, or at least not cost them. And watching them over the past month, I have I have a I have a growing confidence in that happening. Uh, a lot of that confidence is is driven by what we've seen from Jaden McDaniels this month. I mean, he has very clearly leveled up. You look at the stat sheet tonight, it looks like McDaniels just had one of those games where maybe he was lucky from three. He did make five of his seven threes. But I thought watching the game, his his impact was just far more well-rounded. He was the guy in that second unit. I was I was watching the second quarter tonight as that as that bench group was rolling and I was like oh you know this is what they were priming Jaden McDaniels to be back in summer league this was the idea I think McDaniels has crossed the bridge over from simply being viewed as a gangly three and D guy to actually being viewed as a weapon with the ball in his hands which you know for being honest I think that's probably a better outline for what you want McDaniels to become I think just because of his shot, I think McDaniels' 3 and D future was always a little murky. He's just, 
It's just the three is probably never going to be a huge weapon for him over the course of a season. I, I, I hear people wanting to compare McDaniels to Mikel Bridges types of players all the time, but I don't think that's what McDaniels is actually growing into becoming. I don't even think that's what Chris Finch is trying to mold McDaniels into being. I think, I think Finch is willing to go to the bank with the idea that McDaniels can be something more than that. And he also, Finch also probably just realizes that there's kind of a ceiling for McDaniels' 3 and D future when he's probably never going to be a 40% guy. The fly in the ointment, though, with McDaniels is the same as it always been. It's the fouling. Man, the, the fouling. We're, we're back to it being an every game thing for McDaniels. Again, five fouls for McDaniels tonight in less than 18 minutes of play. That's <laughs> the 18 minutes part. The low minutes part is what's crazy when you look at the league leaderboards for fouls. McDaniels is fourth in the entire league in fouls this season. Only behind Jay Sean Tate, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Cap. Cat is third on that list with 200 total fouls this season. And it's crazy that McDaniels is only six fouls behind him, considering that McDaniels has played 350 fewer minutes than Cat has. And, you know, as optimistic as I am and want to be about McDaniels, like, I do wonder if this will be a forever thing with him, you know? Guys who follow a lot tend to be guys who always follow a lot. On that list, I mean, we have Jay Sean Tate from Houston leading the league in fouls. And last year, he was third in total fouls in the league. Jaron Jackson Jr. is second on that list in total fouls this season. And two years ago, last year he was fully healthy, he was second in the league in total fouls. And then the cat, third on the list. I mean, well, we know fouling has been a problem for him for seven years now. This might just be a thing for McDaniels. I don't know what the solution is here. I know they're coaching him on it all the time, but it's you know, 62 games in the season. This is a this is a consistent issue. So I, I don't know what the solution is here. So I'm trying to think of tweaks. And it's just stood out to me a few times with McDaniels where he's been pulled for foul trouble in situations where it was a classic foul trouble situation, you know, two fouls in the first or three in the second or four in the third or that sort of deal. But I wonder, given that McDaniels already is in a bench type of role, if sometimes it wouldn't just make sense to let him play through it a little bit more. Let him pick up that fourth foul in the second. Let him pick up that fifth foul in the third if he has to. Like, for example, McDaniels picked up his fourth foul early in the third quarter of that Memphis game last week. And then he got benched because that's four fouls in the third quarter. That's because, you know, that's what the book says you do with three fouls in the third. But I, I just wonder when it's a guy who does play limited minutes, if you need to be rigid with it. Like if, if McDaniels is already to come out of the end of the games, if he's not going to close the games, then it isn't really the end of the world. If he picks up a fourth foul in the beginning of the fourth quarter, right? I guess it just sort of sticks out how it feels like McDaniels is coming off the floor for foul trouble at least once a game, yet he hasn't fouled out even once in the past 25 games. And I don't know, maybe the, the not fouling out is because the foul trouble is being managed by sitting him down at times. But I guess it 
it almost certainly <laughs> is because of that. But I, I just don't like when McDaniel's rhythm feels like it gets squashed due to foul trouble. I think he's a big confidence type of guy. And ultimately, th- this whole fouling thing is on him. But if he is going to be a forever foul guy, I just wonder if some tweaks need to be made. You know, looking forward at the final 20 games of the season, it just really feels like Jaden McDaniels is going to be a critical character in the story. He's really turned the corner and it's becoming clear that he's one of the most important players on this team. Anything that can be done to extend his rhythm would be valuable, particularly as Finch becomes increasingly reticent to play Jared Vanderbilt for extended stretches of time. You kind of need McDaniels. Along those Vanderbilt lines, let's hit on some prize picks here to from tonight's game. This was the lowest props I've ever seen on Jared Vanderbilt. His over-under on points tonight was six and a half, and his over-under on rebounds was only seven and a half. Those are really low numbers for Vando. I mean, he's averaging seven points per game and nine rebounds per game this year, and those numbers obviously factor in you know, the, the time where he was coming off the bench, but it's been a pretty safe overbet for the season since he's been a starter that he's going to have over six and a half points and over seven and a half rebounds. So with that logic, I took both. But the reason the numbers are so low is because Vando is starting to play less. He was benched in the second half of that last game against the Sixers after playing just two and a half minutes in the third quarter. Didn't come back for the rest of the game. Finch said he benched him. And then tonight, Vando plays the first seven minutes of the first quarter, and then Finch never went back to him in the second quarter. It's becoming very clear that Finch is tightening the screws on how often he goes with Vando. It's just basically he's setting the expectation from Vanderbilt that it's a peak energy game from him if he's going to play extended minutes. And for tonight, to Vando's credit, he did bring that peak peak energy. Um, in In the third quarter, for sure, Vando very much fueled the Wolves' second half comeback. He finished the game with eight points and nine rebounds, so he did hit the overs. I do just want to note that this has been a thing with Finch. He's starting to pull back on Vando or at least restrict the leash a little bit um, in these, you know, in these last 10 games or so. My other Wolves over was Cat over three assists. Assists. Cat came into this one having three or more assists in 13 of his last 14 games. Took the over there. Um, again, he had exactly three assists tonight, so the streak continues, but we get a push on the pick. I did miss all of my Cavs prize picks. I took the over on Markinen scoring 16.5 points. Again, didn't know what the Wolves were going to do there, but Markinen only finishes with 10 points, so that's a miss. I took the over on 2.5 made free throws for Evan Mobley. Mobley only made two. And then also the one I was probably most wrong about was the over, uh, or I took the under on 23.5 combined points plus assists plus rebounds for Brandon Goodwin. Naturally, Goodwin goes off. (laughs) He had 17 points, 12 assists, and four rebounds. Can add Brandon Goodwin to the list of random guys who are just going off against the Wolves lately. Javante Green, O'Shea Brissett, Zaire Williams, Brandon Goodwin. Guys you might have never heard of before they played the Wolves uh, have had their best game of the season uh, against the Wolves this year. So overall, on the night, that was two wins, three losses, and one tie brings me to 130 108 and nine on the season. I know maybe you're listening to this on Tuesday afternoon and the Wolves play the Warriors in a couple hours. 
that's the case, you can go to prizepicks.com, see if some of the picks, I'm sure they'll have because the Warriors, I'm sure they'll have a bunch of picks up there for this. Uh, see if there's a Wolves Warriors pick that you like. And if you do, you can create a prize picks account. They will throw you a $100 sign up bonus. If you sign up using the promo code Dane, I don't know, try it out. See if you can do better than I've been doing. All right, that's about all I got for you tonight. We're right back at it on Tuesday, back to back here. Uh, the Mavs, Nuggets, and Clippers, who surround the Wolves in the standings, were all off on Monday. So the Wolves did make up a half game in the standings. Unfortunately, though, that is no difference than uh, last time we talked because the Mavs, Nuggets, and Clippers all played on Sunday night and won. Uh, so the Wolves are still three and a half games behind both the Mavs and the Nuggets for the five and six seeds and one and a half games still ahead of the Clippers as the Wolves have kind of made it a home now in the seventh seed for the time being. While the Wolves are playing the Warriors on Tuesday, the Clippers will be playing the Rockets and the Mavs will be playing the Lakers. So the Wolves might need to just beat the Warriors on a back-to-back just to keep their spot in the standings. I guess control what you can control, right? Uh, <laughs> you got to win. You just got to win the games in front of you. The Wolves do that. You know, it'll, it'll shake out all right. I wouldn't say this game is some sort of great win, but it was a win you know, would would have liked to see them maintain that 20-point lead in the second half. But at the end of the day, the Wolves do beat a shorthand Cavs team on the road. And in this case, that's, you know, that's taking care of business. Doing that tomorrow uh, will be harder. The Warriors were off on Monday. And I'm sure they'll be, they'll be ready to go Tuesday. We'll see if the Wolves can match that. I will be back to talk to you after that one. Until then, I'm Dan. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah Hope you dancing like nobody else around, yeah